My husband passed away in June, June 25th. I knew that immediately I had to, you know, I had to do something because I don't like to dwell on things I can't change. I never made a hat before, ever. I made afghans or something like that, but never a hat. So I thought, I'm going to try making a hat. I said to my son, I, I said, Sam, do you know of a place that if I make hats, if I crochet hats, that I can donate them, that they could use them? Can you think of a place? So I made one. It took several days to make one. And then I got all kinds of different yarns and different patterns and stuff. It was like Forrest Gump in the movie when he started running and he couldn't stop. That was me. <laughs> I started crocheting and I couldn't stop. And the next thing I know, I'm knocking out two hats a day. The pastor of the church where I go said recently, if you can't do something great, do something good. I thought, no, that's a wonderful idea. Because for years I've been a pastor's wife, taught Bible, did different things. And now it's like there I am in my little apartment by myself. And so when Sam mentioned Matt's ministry, then he contacted Matt and said, is this something you could use? And he said, yeah, you know, that would be great. And I thought, oh, if I could just make 20, and then and I was going to get put them in a box and send them to him. I thought I would be thrilled if I could make 20. I have 74 hats that I've made. Yeah. And they're not perfect, but I got better and faster as I went along. I wanted to support Matt. I wanted to encourage him. As I was making the hats, I was praying for the people whose heads would be covered with these hats. Do you know? Like your brain is where you make your decisions and you know, let this person make good decisions and be blessed and that kind of stuff. My husband uh, was a church planter, and when we were in our first church plant, um, Danny and Cynthia, Matt's mom, mom and dad, they were living in Bagley Swamp at a little country church, and you know, not making much money uh, at, at that time. They sent us a check every month for to help us when we were planning a church every month for a year. It dawned on me when it all kind of came full circle. I thought. This is one I want to do that. I want to encourage Matt and have him use these as a tool for his ministry, however he wants to do it. It was very good for me. It just made me feel good to, to think I could do one little bitty thing to encourage Matt in what he's doing here. I have been so blessed. I mean so blessed. I have stage 4 cancer and it's metastasized to the bone. It's like a miracle really that I feel as good as I do. And so I say as long as the Lord gives me strength and energy, I'm gonna, I, I gotta do something. And I just thought, um, you know, it all came together to do the Matt's Hats project, so. There have been, you know, bad, bad things happen, but the, they still don't outweigh the good. I just wanna thank um, my friend Caleb Clark. I don't know if he's in here, and if he is, he should raise his hand. He might not be here. Um, he helped me put this video together. Um, I was able to, speak with Donna Tesh the night before she came to church and brought all of these crocheted items. Um, and it was really incredible. I was only with her for about 20 minutes and I couldn't be at church, which was really hard for me. I really wanted to be here with her. Um, but I just want to you know, thank Caleb for helping me in that um, and thank Donna Tesh for sharing her story. She has an incredible story um, and such deep loss, but such a story of hope. Um, am I supposed to say anything else about myself? Nope, that's about it. Um, <laughs> oh no, Matt asked. You did ask me to say why I why I'm here. Yeah. Why why I love Chapel Hill, um, and I I I summarized it to Matt maybe a m number of months ago, 
um, when I came to Love Chapel Hill this summer and decided that this was going to be my church home, um, I just described it as basically I'd never felt like I was so far from my comfort zone, but so close to home all at once. Mm. Um, and then I just knew that I, that I was drawn here and that this was where I needed to be. So, yeah, it's a great place. Um, I'm going to be reading scripture for us. Um, Book of John, we're in chapter 15. Is it 1 through 8? Mm-hmm. Okay. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does, does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. <coughs> you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Thank you, Timmy. Appreciate it. Tinley is a blessing and a gift to us, and um, she talked a lot about Caleb helping her with that video, but she did a lot of that. That's, that's her creative heart uh, shining through, and so we really appreciate her helping us tell that story and, um, and the way that, that people are connecting to what you're doing and to who you are, um, even, even from a distance. So thank you, Tinley. Uh, recently, uh, my two kids asked me a couple of questions. I love when that happens. <laughs> uh, Luke asked me a question, and he said, um, Dad, when you were a kid, did they have cars yet? <laughs> That's right. I said, uh, you're grounded, number one. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Gregory. Uh, and number two, I said, actually, when I was a kid, we had like jetpacks and hoverboards. And your generation came along and ruined all of it. It's all been down. I'm just kidding. Hey, there you go. I hope he doesn't tell his friends at school that. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then uh, uh, after, sometime after that, it, it, was, it was bedtime, and uh, we were getting the kids ready for bed and getting them laid down. And after the lights had gone out, you know how kids ask questions just to extend, right? And so they were talking and just talking about all kind of stuff. And then it got quiet. And then my son Sam asked me this question. Dad, how do I grow? How do I grow? And I was like, that is an amazing question. I think it's because he wants to be able to dunk. <laughs> he talk, I don't know where he got that ambition and dream from. No clue. It's not going to happen, kid. Um, but how do I grow? And there was something in the way that he asked it that just hit me, you know? It just hit me in that moment. How do I grow? And then how do I explain that to him except to say, just be. Just be. Just be patient. It's going to happen. 
It's going to happen over time. Just be patient. It's not going to happen all at once. But be patient. It will happen. I've been thinking about that question as we've been digging into this passage together from Jesus. This brilliant teaching about the vine and the branches and the gardener. And that question of how do I grow? And Jesus is answering that question for us. As Christians, I think that's a deep longing that we all have. We don't want to live a stagnant life. We don't want to live a compromised life. We don't want to just stay where we are. There's a hunger in us to to go into deeper places with him. Deeper connection to the vine so that we might bear fruit because we are connected to him. There's this deep hunger and longing in us, and I sense it in us as a group and as a church family, this longing. We want to go deeper. We're hungry to go deeper. What does it look like to grow in him? What does it look like to bear the kind of fruit that is consistent with the character of the vine himself? What does it look like for the character of the vine to be revealed and expressed on the branches? As we bear his fruit, as we express his personality, who he is, his character in this world, what does it look like for us to grow? I love the way Jesus answers that question. He gives us this description right here in chapter 15 of how to grow. And not surprisingly, there are some very surprising things that he has to say about that. This counterintuitive wisdom that he gives to us about what it looks like to grow. What it looks like to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. There's a writer named Richard Foster. He wrote an incredible book called The Celebration of Discipline 40 years ago. And it's still continues to impact my life i didn't read it 40 years ago all right i'm not that old we did have cars when i was a kid but he makes this statement he says that the fruit of the spirit is not push pull strive climb and grind that's not the fruit of the spirit it looks so different and that's a counterintuitive way to live in this culture that we're in where where hustle is such a virtue where constant motion makes it look like we've we're, we're, we've got movement there's a vast difference between motion and movement and Jesus is telling us what does it look like to grow how do you grow patient patience let me show you let me tell you more than that let me accomplish it in your life so we're going to be moving into the next section uh next few verses here of this passage and next few lines really of what jesus has to say here in in chapter 15 again uh context from where we were last week this passage is a part of a larger section of scripture here at the end of the Gospel of John that's known as the last discourse of Jesus. So if we put it in the time frame of Jesus' life, this is in that upper room moment when he's with his disciples just before he's going to be arrested later in this evening. And he's telling them, he's leaving with them this last sermon this sermon at the table we really celebrate the sermon on the mount and i love the sermon on the mount and i continue to come back to that but we also need to root ourselves in the sermon at the table because this is jesus's last words to his disciples 
where he's laying it all out for them one last time, encapsulating everything else that he's been teaching them in that time of ministry that he's had with them, of, of discipling them, of raising them up, of shaping them. And th- these are his last words. The way John records it, he's got, he's got five different chapters just covering these last moments, this last event, this last evening that he has with them. Chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are all these last words of Jesus. And Jesus is leaning in and pressing in. He's about to be arrested, but here's what he's got to say to them. It's so beautiful that he chooses this agrarian metaphor. He pulls it right out of the culture in which they're living, something that they would be very familiar with, something that for the rest of their lives they're going to continue to see vines and branches and fruit. It's a part of their everyday life, and every time they see it, they're going to remember this. It's going to come back to their minds and it's going to go deeper in them every single time. They see a vine or they see a branch or they taste the fruit of the vine. Jesus uses this metaphor to reveal hidden things. It's something that's in plain sight, but still to this day, believers are unpacking and trying to figure out what exactly Jesus meant by this and trying to get at the root meaning of this metaphor that's perpetually bringing growth about in us, in this image. So Jesus starts it this way. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. That's as far as we got last week, all right? We're going to get a little bit further than that this week. But I am the vine and my father is the gardener. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. That, that use of the phrase, I am, and then to give a metaphor, this is the seventh time this has happened in the Gospel of John. It's intentional. It's a part of the way John has structured the Gospel. He's trying to tell us something. And the fact that Jesus uses this phrase, I am, it causes us to pause and to stop right there. That phrase, that, that word, I am, that those, those words together, in the heart of a Jewish person would have echoed with the memory of how God reveals himself to his people in the Old Testament. How God reveals himself to Moses. Who who should I say is sending me? Who should I say I had this encounter with? Who should I say that, 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 that is telling me this? How will people believe me? And he says, I'll, I'll tell you who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. I am who I am. I am that I am. This very root of all existence, I am. And this holy, revered name of God. And Jesus uses these words to describe himself. I am. And this, that's intentional for him to do that. And he's revealing in this moment his divinity. Just as he's done all throughout the gospel of John. And just as John has been very intentional to do over and over again in the way that he's structured and and is writing this book. So that's who Jesus is. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. Now as we move into these next couple of lines, he's going to show us now what's our relation to him and our relation to the father. What does that mean for us? That's who he is. But what does it mean for us? There are three statements that are that are right on top of each other here that we're going to spend the rest of our time trying to uh, pull apart here, all right? These three statements that are intertwined 
with each other and they're all playing off of each other. He makes this one statement that the gardener cuts off dead branches. That's statement number one. Number two, that the gardener prunes the fruitful branches. And statement number three, that you are already made clean by the word that I've spoken to you. All right. So he cuts off dead branches. He prunes fruitful branches, but you are already made clean by the word that I've spoken to you. Let's start with that first one where he talks about cutting off dead branches. This is consistent through the teaching of Jesus. He is constantly putting in front of us a fork in the road moment. He's constantly putting in front of us these forks in the road moment where he's saying to us, here's the contrast. Here's the contrast between the way that you have been going and here's the way that I am inviting you into. And they are different paths. Which path will you choose? He's constantly putting us in that moment of choosing. And here, as he describes it, he uses the imagery and the contrast between death and life. Do you want to be a dead branch? And remain in your sin? Or do you want to be a living branch and find life in Jesus Christ? Paul tells us that, that we were dead in our sins, but we are alive in Christ Jesus. And there's that contrast that Jesus is putting right in front of us. And he's doing that to us today. It's echoing throughout the years and it's hitting us today right where we're at. There are some people that right now in this moment, you are at a fork in the road. There's a pivotal moment laid out on the timeline of history. This moment is razor thin. And yet within this small moment, all of eternity is packed into it. And there's some people in the room right now. You're hearing the invitation to move from death, which is being apart from Christ in our sin. And to be moved into life, life in Jesus Christ. His life for ours. The Gospels tell us that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. The judgment of sin, he took it upon himself. What should have been ours, he took it on himself to bring us into a reconciled relationship with the Father. This relationship that was severed by sin. And he's offering us healing and reconciliation in that today he went to hell and back in order to win our redemption this is how much the father loves you that he would send his own son to take the price to take the judgment upon himself for some of you you just simply need to open yourself up to that today and say i'm yours i'm yours i receive you i embrace what you have done for me I'm yours. This is the gospel. Jesus moving us from death to life. And he lays it right out here in this image. Just as a branch cannot cannot live apart from the vine, we cannot have life apart from Jesus Christ. But life is being extended and offered to you today. Will you receive it? If that's you, your life is shifting right now. Your life is shifting in this moment. And the trajectory has just changed.
for you. If that's you, please come and let us know. There are cards in the seat where you can indicate that or you can come and talk to us personally. We want to walk through with you what that means and how to live in response to that grace of Jesus. So that's the first thing that he says. He lays out this contrast between dead branches and living branches. Dead in sin, alive in Christ. The next part is where it gets even more troubling. All right? Listen to what he says next. He says this, The Father, the gardener, prunes every branch in me that bears fruit so that it might be made more fruitful. You know what pruning means? All right, everybody know what pruning means? It's this move of cutting away, right? Cutting away something off of a plant. And so this is what he's saying. We're going to get cut, all right? And he's saying this, like the father is going to prune. The gardener is going to prune all of the branches that bear fruit. Now, that doesn't seem fair. All right, that's kind of why I signed up for this, so I didn't get cut, okay? (laughs) To be a branch in the vine means to be pruned. It does not make sense to us. At first glance, it doesn't make sense because why would you cut back? Why would you cut away at something that is bearing fruit? That's what a branch is supposed to do is bear fruit. That's the whole design. So why would you mess with something that's doing what it's supposed to do? Why would you cut a branch that is bearing fruit? Why would you punish a fruitful branch? Because pruning is not punishment. That's why. Because to prune is not to punish. Pruning isn't punishment. Pruning is provision. And pruning is producing. And when the gardener is cutting back and is pruning a branch, what the gardener is doing is opening up and creating the opportunity for more health and more growth. Okay, come on. Awesome, James. Thanks, buddy. That's right. That's right. This past week, uh, I was in a meeting with my friend Bob Stocking. And uh, Bob and I, dude, we're, we're becoming really good friends, and I'm, I'm enjoying getting to meet up with him. And so we were at a coffee shop, and uh, so on Wednesday mornings, we have prayer meeting here uh, at the Varsity at 8 o'clock. We'll invite any of you guys to come. And then after that, Bob and I have been uh, meeting up with each other and talking. This week, we decided to skip the, the coffee shop. We were like, it's just such a beautiful fall morning. Let's go for a walk instead, all right, because I'm an old man nerd, Okay. And uh, so let's go for a walk instead. And so we did. So our, our normal time where we would have been sitting at a table in the coffee shop down here at Tama T, who thank you to them for hosting our youth group uh, every other week. They, they host our youth group. Let's give it up for our youth group real quick. Yeah. Led by Dominique and then others that are that are helping out and leading in that way. We appreciate you guys so much. So I've been trying to frequent that as a way of saying thanks to them, okay? And uh, so instead of our normal meeting there at the table, we're like, let's go for a walk. And so we're, we're out there, and uh, we walk down Franklin Street, and we walk across campus, and we're over close to the Arboretum, and like, let's take a walk through the Arboretum, all right? So we're walking through the Arboretum, enjoying the, the, the beautiful fall leaves, and I'm, I'm really old, all right? I'm just showing it more and more, leaf peeping, Okay? And uh, so we're out there and, and, and we walk past this guy 
And he's out there doing work and he's like digging in the ground and he's like doing something. He's got some kind of tool, which I don't know what it is. And he's, he's like digging and it just hits me. And I'm like, Bob, we got to stop. We got to talk to this guy. I need this guy to help me with my sermon. All right. So I'm trying to get my head around this. And I'm like, I, I understand what's being said here. I want to know, like from a gardener's point of view, let's talk to this guy. And so we go and we do his name's Jeffrey. And uh, I'm like playing it really cool. So I'm like, hey, Jeffrey, I got a couple questions about like gardening and pruning. And he looks at me real weird and I just go ahead and spill the beans. I'm like, I'm a preacher. All right. That's the truth. Don't run away. Okay, don't be scared. (laughs) I need you to help me with my sermon. All right. And uh, he's like, he's like, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about it. He's like, "I I happen to teach a class in pruning. And I'm like. awesome and uh so we start to talk and i'm asking these questions i'm telling you here's what jesus said in in john chapter 15 here's the image can you help me figure this out a little bit more and he starts to unpack that for us and it was absolutely beautiful as we stood there in the arboretum and we're getting the words of jesus spoken to us from the curator of the arboretum and he's telling us everything that jesus is saying here in this passage. Here's what he told us. As counterintuitive as it may seem, the nature of a fruit-bearing vine and branch is that growth is produced when you take something away. Growth, which we see as addition, right? We see as adding something to it. He's like, actually, growth is produced when you take something away, when you cut off a part of the branch, then the vine will, by its very nature, send out several more shoots in the place where that one branch was cut. So you cut away one piece and in its place, the vine. That is full of life, that is thriving with life, where that one piece was cut, the vine sends out several shoots. To take its place because the vine is alive and it can't help but do that. And at the very place where it was cut. Multiplied growth. Begins to happen. He said it gets really tricky to tell how much you're supposed to cut back. So most gardeners, especially beginning gardeners, they do not go far enough. It takes an expert gardener to know exactly how far you can go because most gardeners don't go far enough when they're pruning. When they begin to prune, they stop short of what, of what should, they should do because it feels like they are hurting the plant and it feels like they are destroying the plant. But if they would only allow for more pruning then in due time, they would see more growth multiplied and abundant beyond what they would even think possible. It takes a skilled and seasoned gardener to know where to cut and to keep on cutting beyond the point where most gardeners quit. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And he prunes every branch in me that bears fruit. Why? So that it might be even more fruitful. He begins to cut back. He begins to cut away. Why? So that more growth can come 
What is he pruning in you? Holy Spirit, show us, teach us, point it out in us. What is he pruning in you? What is he cutting back? What are the obvious places in your life right now where you're sensing that happening? And why that point? Why is he working there? Why is he working at that point in your life? You might not understand fully why. But pray for the Holy Spirit to give you a sense of revelation and a sense of understanding. Why this point? And begin to ask him, what kind of fruit might emerge from this place? Where I'm feeling the cutting in my life right now. What kind of fruit might come in his place? We get caught up on the the sense of losing something. When the gardener knows that he's got to cut back. That by cutting something away, he's opening up the possibility of more and better fruit being produced in that place. What fruit is he wanting to see emerge in your life? At that very place of pruning. What is that for you? So interesting. And he said that to us repeatedly. Growth happens at the place of the cutting. Growth growth happens at the place of the pruning. At the very site of the cutting. At the very site of the pruning. That's where the growth happens. In other words, growth happens at the point of our pain. Amen. That's right. That's right. Thank you. That's exactly right. Growth happens at the point of our pain. Here's something we need to understand about that. Pruning hurts. But it does not harm. Pruning hurts. But it does not harm. That's right. That's exactly right, guys. Here's what we need to grasp, okay? As we begin to get into this area of talking about what God might bring about through our pain, as we're talking about God pruning, as we're talking about God cutting and the act of that pruning hurting but not harming, here's what we really need to get our minds around and grasp. God does not cause evil. God does not cause evil. God does not cause tragedy and trauma Don't put on God what comes at you from the enemy. He is good and holy and he does not cause evil. But because he is the sovereign king who reigns over all things and is reconciling all things to himself, he can take evil and redeem it. He can take every tragedy and trauma that has entered your life from the enemy, that the enemy has worked against you. He can take every tragedy and every trauma and he can bend even that to his will. And he can bring even that under his sovereign reign. And he can bring even that into submission under him. He can take the greatest pain in your life and he can redeem it for your good and his glory. He does not cause evil, but he is stronger than evil. And he is greater than evil. And even evil has to bow to him. You think it's running rampant in the world. 
He is on the throne. He is in control. Evil has to take a knee to him. Sometimes the healing process is going to be painful. From that tragedy that you experienced, from that trauma, from that evil that has been worked against you, sometimes the healing process from that is going to be painful. And the healing might hurt, but the healing will never harm. The healing might hurt, but the healing will never harm. He won't look the other way and agree with you just to avoid it so that you don't have to deal with it. He's not going to do that. He will address it. And he will start to cut away at it. And you might think, why are you doing that? This is a place where I already have pain in my life. Why would you start cutting at it too? I thought you had my best in mind and in your heart. He's going to start cutting away at that very place. Not to cause you more harm, but because he wants to remove that before it becomes a bitter root in you. That threatens to infect the entire vine, the entire branches, not the vine because he can't be infected with it. But the entire branch of who you are and before it threatens the fruit. That he wants to bring about in your life, he's going to cut away. And he's going to prune. Pruning hurts. But it does not harm. And as our friend in the Arboretum reminded us, the greatest, greatest growth in our life happens at the very point of the cutting. Look for fruit to emerge from the place of your deepest pain. Look for fruit to emerge. Because he's the gardener. As we're wrapping up here, Jesus makes one more statement. And it's one that I've always like wrestled with a little bit, okay? He makes this statement and he's going through, I am the vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it might be more fruitful. And he's layering this imagery on again and again and again. And then he makes this statement and he says, you are already made clean by the word that I have spoken to you. And I'm like, why'd you change the metaphor, Jesus? We were rolling on that. And then he goes back into remain in me. My words remain in you. You're the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branches. And he, keep, he goes back into that. So why does he break right in the middle and switch the language and move into this cleaning language instead of what he had been doing? Well, the problem is not Jesus. All right. Let's just get that. We can all agree on that. Right. OK, awesome. All right. The problem is not Jesus. The problem is our language. And that's how it gets translated in our language. But what we aren't able to pick up on is that in the original language here that Jesus, that this is written in, there's a play on words happening here. And the word for pruning and cutting sounds very similar to the word for cleaning. And it's like this echo of the same kind of language that is happening. And this word for cleaning can actually be used in this kind of imagery of cleaning away the things that would hinder growth. It's the same idea as pruning. And Jesus is not messing up the metaphor. He's taking the metaphor deeper. 
when he's saying this. I'm the vine, the true vine. My father's the gardener. He cuts away every branch that doesn't bear fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it might become more fruitful. And you have already been pruned by the word that I've spoken to you. I'm already at the work of cutting away the things that need to be cut away by the power of the word at work in your life. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. We know this well. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This blade of pruning that he so often uses in our life is the power of the word. So here's the challenge I want to live with, leave with you today. This question of what is he pruning in your life? What is he cutting away? And why? What fruit might emerge from that very point of pain? And do you have the patience and the trust and the faith to allow him to finish that process? Will you let him as the skilled and seasoned gardener who knows exactly what he's doing and can see the whole picture? Will you let him have his way in the cutting? Will you let him keep cutting and keep cutting and keep cutting even when to you it feels like the plant is getting harmed and destroyed? Will you trust that even though it hurts, it isn't harming? And then he's doing this to bring about growth in your life. Will you trust in that? And will you let the blade of the word do pruning work in your life? Here's the challenge. These verses, these first three verses that we've just been talking about today. I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it might be made more fruitful. And you've already been pruned already been made clean by the word that I've spoken to you. Will you commit that over the course of this week? Will you commit that to your heart? I want to say to memory, but it's more than memory. It's more than just memorizing it. It's meditating on it. Will you stay in that place over the course of this week? Keep coming back to this. Use your phone. First thing you do in the morning when you get up is you look at your phone anyway. All right. Why don't you start there? And when you get up, first thing you check is the Bible app and hit it and keep it on John 15 and keep it on that. So first thing you do when you get up is go over those three verses. Let it begin to take root in you. Let them begin to speak to you. As you go about your week, you're doing this, doing that, you're going to work, you're getting things done. Let it run through your mind until it sinks into your heart. Meditate on it and allow the pruning blade of the word to do its work in your life. That's the challenge. And I don't know what fruit that's going to bring, but I do know that it will bring fruit. Jesus promised it. And I don't know what he's going to point out to you. I don't know what he's going to ask of you. I don't know what he's going to say. Hey, this area in your life, I just want to let you know. I'm about to start pruning. Will you surrender it? If you continue to meditate on this passage, it will give you the courage and the strength that you need, not your own courage and strength, but borrowed from him.
to surrender. How do you grow? What a great, great question. How do you grow? By surrendering to the skilled and seasoned gardener who knows exactly what he's doing. And who knows how far to cut. Whose pruning might hurt, but it will never harm. And who prunes the branches that are already bearing fruit. Why? So that they might bear more fruit. Even at the place of pain. We're going to close by sharing in communion together today. This meal that Jesus is sharing with his disciples on the last night that he's with them. And in this context where he's teaching them about the vine and the branches. And I'm sure it did not escape them to see the fruit of the vine right there in front of them. And Jesus talked about the cup and he used the imagery of the cup. And he said, this cup represents my blood, this fruit of the vine, this wine in this cup represents my blood that's poured out for the salvation of the world. Put your faith in me and you will be rescued and you will be saved. And he took the bread that was on the table and he broke it. And he said, this bread represents my body that is broken to make you whole. Today we remember and we celebrate and we embrace the sacrifice of Jesus. Through sharing in this communion meal. For some of you, this will be the first time that you're sharing in this meal as a branch who is alive in the vine. And we celebrate that today. We celebrate that. We're going to invite you to come forward. I'm going to ask my friend Bradley, an old friend of mine, to come down. There he is. And he's going to be serving down here. And our friends Doug and Beth will be serving on this side. And if you need a gluten-free option, then you can come to this side. Also, during this time, we always open it up for prayer. And Tim and Gabby will be here to pray over you if you need someone to pray with you. Uh, then please do that. Please open yourself up to them and receive that prayer over your life. As you come forward and you tear off a piece of the bread, we invite you to dip it into the cup. And as that bread and juice mingle together, let it remind you of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And taste and see that the Lord is good. Come and share in his meal.